Please do keep your Bible open in front of you, page 561, and that'll be a great help for you and a great help for me. I'm just going to move that up, and I've got quite a lot of stuff here. Here, great, brilliant. Well, on Wednesday, it was Valentine's Day. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder, that evidence is my point here, I wonder how you guys feel about Valentine's Day. There are generally, I think, there are three responses to Valentine's Day. There's the skeptic. Maybe that's all of us. <laughs> There's also the, the soppy response. Uh, or perhaps your response is one of sadness. Well, on Valentine's Day, two-thirds of Brits celebrated. And the average, I feel very cheap when I say this, the average spend per person, the average spend was 50 pounds. It's quite a lot of money, isn't it? Which meant that a staggering 1.5 billion, and I checked the maths, 1.5 billion was spent on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day taps into something we all feel. You see, we all feel a deep longing in our hearts, whether it's a longing for love, a longing for security, a longing for joy and understanding, a longing for meaning, for purpose, for freedom. We all feel a deep yearning for something more. And that's what we're seeing in Song of Solomon this term. And it's what we're going to see this evening in this passage. Now, when we come to Song of Songs, uh, our tendency, I think, is to swing between one of two extremes. Uh, on the one extreme, we treat it as a purely human book, where everything refers to something romantic or something sexual, and it kind of becomes some kind of weird ancient relationship manual. That's one extreme. The other extreme is where we treat it on, on a purely spiritual level where you end up having to do some really strange and weird Bible handling. Well, both approaches get something right and something wrong. You see, on the one hand, all of Scripture does point us to Jesus. That's what Jesus himself said in John chapter 5, verse 39. And Ephesians 5, 22 to 31 does say that marriage points to the intimate, sacrificial, submissive, relationship between Jesus and us, the church. But if you try to squash and squeeze the Song of Songs into pointing to Jesus with every detail, you start to get some very, very weird things coming out. That's on the one hand. On the other hand, the Bible does talk about sex between a married husband and wife as being a very good thing. God himself made it. It was there before the fall. God himself blesses it and calls it very good. That's Genesis 1.31 if you're taking notes. But we need to remember that Song of Songs is neither a historical step-by-step -step account of a relationship nor a scientific textbook about the birds and the bees. It's, it's poetry. It's poetry about the love between a man and a woman 
who are deeply in love, who desire each other, who long for each other. So it's the, it's the sparks that fly when you make eye contact with the person you have a crush on. It's the butterflies in your stomach when you're in love. It's the groom's face when he sees his bride walking down the aisle to join him. It's the longing that we all feel. What someone calls the deep place within us that longs for someone who loves us with all the madness in the world. Song of Songs is a book about longing. Longing for someone you love and a longing that will ultimately only ever be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You see, it does give us um, some helpful lessons about romantic relationships, but mainly it lifts our eyes beyond the relationships of this world to the relationship we have with Jesus, who is the lover of our souls. So as we read and think about this book, we don't squash the details, but we do let his poetry and the poetry of a man and woman madly and passionately in love we let that poetry draw our longings upwards and towards the lover of our souls, the only one in whom our deepest longings can ever be satisfied. And so that means that whether you're here and you're single or you're widowed or you're divorced or if you're happily married or if you're struggling in marriage, all of that means that this book and this passage is for each and every one of us here this evening. So if we're reading this book with only human relationships in mind, we've got a tiny thimble of water. But if we read this with Jesus in mind, we've got an ocean that stretches out as far as the eye can see, that stretches out beyond the horizon We've got an ocean that will bear us up, that will carry us ever onwards towards the day where we'll meet Jesus, the lover of our souls, face to face. Let's pray before we get into this passage. Lord Jesus, we want to meet you. We want to hear from you. And we want to see you. Would you speak to us through this passage, through my words, by your Holy Spirit? Would you Speak to us, and would you capture our hearts? Amen. Well, four things come out. I think there's four stages in this in this passage we're in this evening. And the first one is down there on page 561, chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Have a look down there, top of page 561. The voice of my beloved, this is the, the woman speaking, behold, he comes leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. Uh, the boyfriend comes leaping, bounding towards her. Whether it's, it's literally or not, he's, he's running towards her over the mountains. Uh, I, I wonder if you think of those cliched scenes in the movies where the teenage boy sprints over to be near his girlfriend or the girl that he fancies before suddenly looking very cool as he walks up to her. That's what's going on here. My beloved, verse nine, my beloved is like a gazelle 
or a young stag. To the woman here, he's the embodiment of grace and beauty, strength and speed, bounding closer, longing to be near her. Behold, there he stands, behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. He was far off, and now he's arrived. But he's not right by her yet. He's, he's outside and looking in. Now look, this, this isn't some kind of creepy voyeurism that's going on here. She's, she's at her parents' home. She's at home. And he's just outside and he's trying to get her attention, which he does. And you can feel the sparks flying. Have a look down there at verse 10. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, this is the boy speaking, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom, they give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Uh, well, me, my wife and, and our two boys, we lived in Greece for nine years. And I remember the spring times out there in Greece. Greece is not, not a long way from where this was set in the Middle East. And there, there's a similar climate. The winters there are bleak. They're cold. There's not much growing. And then it rains. It rains a lot. And then after that, I'm not really into flowers or anything like that. I'm, don't, I don't understand flowers that much, but I have never seen so many flowers in all my life. Literally out of nowhere, just color everywhere, smell and beauty everywhere. We would go out for family walks and it was, it was incredible. It was a, a fresh time. It was joyful. There was life. And then the oppressive heat of summer comes and kills off everything. The boy is head over heels in love with his girlfriend. And he's saying to her, arise, my love, my beautiful one. Spring is here, whether literally or whether they're soon to enter a fresh, fruitful new stage in their relationship. He says to her, the time is now. So come, leave your parents home and come away with me. She's inside, he's outside. So he calls out to her with the, ver the, the, the words of verse 14. Have a look down there. He says, oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, she's hidden. He can't see her. So he says, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. He has this passionate longing for her, this passionate longing to hear her sweet voice speaking to him, passionate longing to see her lovely face looking over towards him. I wonder, can you, can you feel the longing here? And it's, it's at this point we get a bit of a window into Christ's longing for us. Yeah, you heard that right. This is how Christ feels towards you. I think um, we can quite easily understand that God is like a father to us. We can kind of get our heads around the fact that he might feel the same kind of parental love that we feel towards the kids in our lives, our nieces, nephews, our children, if we have them. 
But Jesus also feels this song of songs, passionate, longing love for us. Jesus is the lover of our souls. He came bounding over the hills for you. He, he stepped down into creation that first Christmas, not, not reluctantly leaving heaven, but leaping and bounding down towards you. He set his face resolutely to go to the cross, not, not reluctantly, but leaping and bounding towards it, towards you. And I wonder, have you ever wondered why? God is love. We, we know that. We've seen that time and time again this past year in 1 John and in the other series we've done. But have a look at what Jesus says to us, to you, this evening. Have a look down at verse 14. Jesus says through this passage to you individually, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. We so often hide, don't we? But really, Lord, I'm, um, I'm me. I'm nothing special. I'm not good enough. I've messed up. But Jesus persists. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your, fa- your voice is sweet and your, voice, uh, your face is lovely. This is how much Jesus longs for you, for you individually. Our relationship with Jesus is so often bound up with shame, isn't it? Bound up with embarrassment or guilt. Shame over past sin, over our insecurities, over our failures, over our mistakes. Uh, It's been said that shame is born in public but it's carried in secret. But Jesus doesn't swipe left on you. This very evening, Jesus says to you these words in verse 14. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Can we just let that sink in for a moment? Whatever your insecurities, whatever you've done, whatever shame you carry, to the lover of your soul, to the Lord Jesus Christ, your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Jesus loves you truly and passionately. He he longs for you. He delights in you. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet. And your face is lovely. That's been one of the most profound things I think I've come across in the Bible in the last few years. It's, it changes everything. It really changes everything. Um, I've been reading a book recently. Um, Lent started on Wednesday. I don't know if you're the kind of person who likes a book to read during Lent. If you haven't found one, can I encourage you to pick up a copy of this from Amazon and give it a read? It's called Jesus, Lover of My Soul. And it's been so, so... Um, helpful in in getting into Song of Songs this past couple of weeks. Uh, It's by a a pastor in Cambridge called Julian Hardyman. Come grab me later on if you want to have a look at it. Jesus, lover of my soul. That was our first point. Our second point is down there in verses 15 through 17. You see, for, for this young couple, their time 
is not yet. They're, they're deeply passionate about each other, but they both realize that their time is not yet. Uh, so in verse 15, have a look down there. In verse 15, the boy talks about catching the foxes that spoil the vineyards which were in blossom. Now, we don't really have many vineyards around here, do we? But we do have grey wheelie bins. And I don't know if you've ever had a, a wheelie bin that's toppled over and a fox has gotten in. They love that kind of stuff. They love the bin full of stinky, rotten rubbish. They create a vast amount of mess. So can you imagine the damage they'll do if they get into a, a beautiful, blossoming vineyard full of lovely, tasty grapes? Ruin. Carnage destruction, taking things that are not for now. Well, the boy realizes that they need to catch those things that will ruin their relationship at this stage. They need to put the brakes on. Their longing is passionate, but it also needs to stay pure. Uh, the girl picks up that same thought too down there in verses 16 and 17. Do you see it down there? She says, my beloved is mine and I am his. He grazes among the lilies. She's deeply passionately committed to him but the time isn't right and so she says until the day breathes and the shadows flee turn my beloved be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains turn she's not saying never but she is saying not yet you see they're not married that's going to come in the next chapter but until then this boy needs to turn and go right back up to those mountains that he came down from they're both saying it in their own ways the time isn't right they're longing for each other it's passionate but it's it's also pure but the passionate longing still continues and that's our third third section down there verses one to four of chapter three you see, we heard about the boy's longing for, for her in chapter two, and we now hear about her longing for him. Uh, she's dreaming. She's lying on her bed and she's dreaming. So have a look down there, bottom of page 561. She says, on my bed by night, in my dream, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him but found him not. Dreaming, she says, I will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. Dreaming, she says, the watchman found me as they went about in the city. Have you, have you seen him whom my soul loves? Her longing is a deep craving for him and it is affecting her dreams. And we see that in the repetition. She's, she's seeking, but she can't find him. Uh, in her dream, she fails to find him three times in her bed, out on the nighttime streets, asking the watchman. And then she finds him. And she takes him home to the place where she lives to sleep with him. But it's all a dream. And, and this is our fourth section here in verse five. The dream shatters and it stops abruptly. She, she wakes up and breaking the fourth wall. She turns to the readers, she turns to the, the daughters of Jerusalem, she turns to us and says, I adjure you, verse 5, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. You see, this longing, this love is, is passionate, it's intoxicating. 
it's better than wine itself. When this kind of love and this kind of attraction blossoms between a man and a woman, it's great. That's the point of the book. But did you notice that those words of verse five are actually repeated from chapter two, verse seven? Do you see it over the page there? You see, the, this warning is like a bookend at the start and at the end of our passage. The passionate longing that, that we've seen between the boy and the girl is, is also to be pure. Their attraction is normal, is healthy, is good, but they're not yet married. And their time is not yet. That wedding is going to happen in the next chapter. And at that point, the book and their relationship go on to a new level of intimacy and physical expression. We need to press pause here because this is so countercultural. You see, their bodies and their hormones are screaming out for each other. What feels natural and desirable to them is in reality as destructive as a fox in a vineyard. They're deeply longing for each other, and that's great. But the time for the physical expression of that hasn't yet come. Your body might be screaming. But the message from this bit of Song of Songs is that wise couples wait. Don't let the foxes ruin things. Turn around and run for the mountains. Theirs is a passionate and pure longing. The right time and place for the sexual expression of this kind of longing is between a husband and a wife within marriage, nowhere else. So whether you're here this evening and you're, you're single or you're dating or you're married, we need to ask ourselves, each and every one of us, what are the foxes that are spoiling our purity? And then the second question is this, what do you need to put in place? Talk to someone about it. Get help. But don't let the foxes ruin your purity. And if you are married, well, the place for your sexual intimacy is with your spouse. Don't let the foxes ruin your marriage. Turn around and run towards each other. Be pure by passionately pursuing each other. Have a chat with your spouse. What do you need to do differently this week? Well, our, our fifth point kind of covers it all a little bit. You see, if in, if in the boy's passionate longing, we see how Christ longs for us. Well, in chapter three, verses one to five, our eyes are lifted to the, the longing that us, his people, can have for him. You see, I said earlier, if you remember, this book taps into that deep place within us that longs for someone who loves us with all the madness in the world. But as we see Jesus's love and longing for us, it fuels our longing towards him. You see, chapter three, verse two says, I will seek him whom my soul loves. He who came bounding and leaping towards you at the cross, who thought of you as he cried out, it's finished. He whose love covers all sin and shame, who longs to see you and hear you. I will seek him 
whom my soul loves. As we close, I'm going to read out a couple of bits from a couple of psalms. Because that's a theme that's expressed more fully in the psalms, particularly in psalms like Psalm 27 and Psalm 84. Uh, We're going to take a few moments of silence. And the question I just would love you to think about is this. What What does your heart need to say to this Lord Jesus? What does your heart need to say? This can't stay just up here. What does our heart need to say? So a couple of moments of silence. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. The Lord Jesus says to us, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Your love is sweet. And your face is lovely.